0: of the Talking Chop podcast. I am Carlos Colazo, one of the co-hosts on this episode of the show, along with my trusted buddy, Brad Roland. How's it going, Brad?
1: Uh, I'm good, man. Uh, you know, it's March Madness, so uh, I feel like we have to talk about that at the top of the podcast. I apologize in advance to people that uh, uh, don't like college basketball, but it's kind of the biggest thing in the country this week, so uh, we're going to do like five minutes on that, I guess, and then we'll move on. But uh, how are you feeling about your Carolina Tar Heels, my friend? You're a recent graduate of Carolina, and... Uh, they got the one seed. Everything, Everything's okay.
0: Yeah, it's been a, a bit of a up-and-down week for me uh, because UNC lost to the Dukies in the ACC tournament and the semifinal game, so obviously I was pretty bummed out about that. And then over the next few days, I get to hear the whole time about how UNC's lost their one seed. Duke is the, uh, the better fit for the fourth one seed in the tournament. So I was really stressed in this one, honestly. I didn't really know if UNC was going to make it as the one seed. Um, my unbiased opinion was UNC was for sure a better one-seed than Duke, and uh, fortunately the committee saw it that way as well, made the right decision, and my Tar Heels have a one-seed in arguably the toughest region of the NCAA tournament, but uh, from my perspective, it's not terrible because uh, UNC's not going to have to play Kentucky and UCLA. Those are just one of those two teams likely will we'll have to play if we're going to make it into the the Final Four, but uh, I was happy being the one-seed, obviously. can't be too upset if your team... Is uh, one of the top four best teams in the country according to to the committee, but um, I'm curious as to what you think as a uh, Michigan fan. I know there was some controversy with uh, Big Ten seating and their placement in the uh, in the field. So, uh, what did you think about Michigan? And I, I guess we can talk about our favorites after this as well.
1: Yeah, first, first of all, I, I try not to laugh at you when you said your unbiased opinion about UNC and Duke because that's just not a thing that exists. No. Um, but anyway, uh, no, I mean. The Big Ten was weird, man. Like I was ranting about this on Twitter. I apologize to my Twitter followers who don't like basketball because I was on like a 20-minute tweet storm about this time, earlier. If, if
0: people follow you and don't like basketball, they either have learned to deal with you or they're just not being smart about who they follow on Twitter.
1: That's fair, uh, and uh, to be fair, like most of my stuff is NBA, so like maybe you just hate college basketball. I don't know. Uh, anyway, the Big Ten seedings don't make any sense at all. Like, <laughs> I'm not just saying that because of Michigan. Like, I was not, I wasn't that mad about Michigan, who by the way won the Big Ten tournament today, which is nice. I yeah. enjoyed that thoroughly. I um, was not mad about them getting a seven seed. It was more about uh, the teams that were seated in front of them, Maryland as a six, and especially Minnesota as a five. Michigan just beat Minnesota a couple days ago and is just has a better resume than Minnesota It was kind of very you know the whole thing was very weird uh without getting too deep into that it didn't make a whole lot of sense mm-hmm. uh so yeah, I wasn't mad online about Michigan necessarily, just kind of the inconsistency and listen uh the cl- it was one of those situations where I think uh, it was Matt Norlander of Cbs said this perfectly I believe it was Matt um said the committee got the right teams in the field and just didn't see them very well mm-hmm. which I kind of well, how I feel like there was nobody. There's always like that one team that was like snubbed, and I didn't really feel that way this year. I guess it was Syracuse, but like they probably shouldn't have been anyway. I was so, so
0: happy when that happened.
1: <laughs> yeah, me too. I mean, it was just it was the right decision. I mean, Syracuse is famous and they have a lot of famous alumni who are mad about it, but like, nah, man, that's it's fine. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, my team's not really a, a title contender. Yours is. So mm-hmm. I, are you going to pick your own team to win the championship? Uh,
0: I feel like I kind of have to since I just graduated from there. I, I genuinely do think they're they're one of the biggest title contenders. I mean, obviously, this isn't breaking news. They're a one seed. But, yeah, I do think they have a good chance. Uh, there are definitely some teams that, that scare me matchup-wise, and there are a few things that have scared me with North Carolina down the stretch that have me a little bit worried. Uh, I don't really think we're a great defensive team. Uh, we pretty much lost to Duke because we couldn't play defense without fouling. And Joel Berry, who's pretty much the cog uh, defensively and offensively for our team, played 24 minutes. Um, But, yeah, I'm picking them in all my brackets. Uh, I'd say the teams that scare me the most are Villanova and Kansas, probably. Uh, I don't know too much about the teams out west. UCLA scares me from a matchup perspective because I don't think we can really defend them at all so that would scare me Kentucky obviously already beat us this season um but yeah they're, they're definitely going to be the team I'm putting in the final it would be awesome to have a North Carolina Duke championship that is possible with uh, the Dukies being in the east region but I'm pretty sure if that happened I might actually die and several of my <laughs> friendships with Duke fans would end depending on the result well actually either way they would, it would probably end either I would be happy and without a few friends or I would be sad and without a few friends so
1: Shout shout out to former Talking Shop writer Dan Simpson, uh, a a large Duke fan who I've seen you argue with on Twitter before. Me
0: and Dan go back and forth. Uh, I respect Dan. He's one of the few Duke Duke fans who I can respect their opinions. Uh, It's been a little heated here lately because of the tournament. (laughs) Uh, Some differing opinions on the teams, but I actually... Have to admit that I had I lost a bet for UNC and Duke with one of my friends and had to wear a Duke shirt after UNC lost in the ACC tournament.
1: Where are there pictures of this? Yeah,
0: it's on my Instagram. Uh, I can put this on Twitter, I guess, if you're going to you hold should. me to it. But you I, should do I've that because put on uh... a Duke shirt three times, and my friend has not had to put on a UNC shirt once. The one year that I would have won the bet, apparently we didn't do it according to him. So the the
1: uh, for the people run. like the people like me that are old and don't have Instagram, you should put that on Twitter. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, just just for evidence. Uh, by the way, quickly, and that's where we're gonna do baseball. So I'm sorry, <laughs> we'll if people that were mad about this. We're getting there, I promise. Uh, I'm picking Gonzaga. Really? Yeah, I think I think they're uh, I mean, you know,
0: any love from any of the pe- the pundits who are talking, about right? Who
1: that, that makes, me, win, that makes so. me like them even more, yeah. to be honest. Um. Uh, you know, Carolina's good. I'll say that as an unbiased observer. Carolina's very good. I also think Kansas is very, very good. Mm-hmm. Um, friend of the program, Ben Pace, was on a, a rant about Kansas this weekend and I, and I enjoyed it thoroughly because <laughs> Ben is uh, unreasonable. If you're listening to this, Ben, shout out to you. Uh, but no, Gonzaga um, is my team. I always, I always overrate them, which is fine. And this year, I think they're actually that good. Mm-hmm. Um, people just haven't noticed yet, which is fine. They, don't, they play at midnight a lot, so I get it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, there's about seven or eight teams I think could probably win the title do you to uh, a a favorite and a sleeper
0: pick, and then we can we can move on.
1: Yeah, you know, I'm I'm picking Gonzaga. My sleeper pick to win the title. I mean, is Duke a sleeper? I guess they, I don't think so. So okay, then they don't count. Uh, my sleeper pick, then. I mean, I think Duke I,
0: is one of the most talented teams in the country. They're just pretty inconsistent, or at least have been this year.
1: I think. I mean, I think they honestly are like the most team, the most talented team in the country, which is a weird thing to say. But no. uh, my sleeper pick, man, that's hard. I think. To win the title, mm-hmm. I am gonna say I'll take Oregon.
0: Okay,
1: I don't believe that because I'm gonna pick Kansas to win to win that region. But Oregon is really good and people don't know it. They they did they did just lose their big their best big. Um, but yeah, I mean in terms of non one seeds, I think Arizona is my favorite team in the field. Okay, um, that's not a one. So shout out to Scott Coleman. But they're not really a sleeper because they sh- I think they like they're like the number one yeah. two seed. So. Uh, they're really, really good. But yeah, Gonzaga, Arizona, and I'll, I'll, go, I'll go super weird with Oregon if you ask me to pick one like that. Okay. What about you?
0: All right, my favorite is obviously North Carolina. Uh, after that, I would say Villanova is probably the team I've been most impressed with this year. It would suck if they repeated after beating us last year, uh, but I do really think they're good. Uh, I like Jay Wright. Um, as far as sleeper, it's I don't know. It's a popular sleeper, I guess. A lot of people are in on Wichita State, and I think that a 10 seed is low for them. Um, I would be very surprised if they actually won the thing, but I do think they're a good team, and I think they could cause a little bit of trouble in the South region. Although they do have an extremely tough journey, uh, so maybe yeah, they got they got,
1: they got they got they got they got screwed as always, mm-hmm. which is fine.
0: Uh, so I like Wichita, and then uh, I guess Arizona as well. Shout out to Scott Coleman.
1: Yeah, we lo- we love Scott. So uh, all, right, all right, let's let's get to basketball, man. Let's do yep. let's do. Or sorry, let's get, to baseball. Let's get off of basketball and to the baseball. We go. So. All the Braves. Right. So if, hey. yeah,
0: we had some we had some baseball today. We had a lot of really good World Baseball Classic games uh, that a few Braves players were involved in. But first, a few minor injuries to touch on. Uh, Dansby Swanson, as you guys may or may not know, should know, has been dealing with a back issue. He said he isn't concerned with it, but hasn't played at all this week. Uh, he could be back in the lineup this coming week. Um, and apparently, according to everything we've heard so far, they're just playing it safe. Um, it, a back injury is a little concerning to me. Uh, what about you? Does this worry you at all, or is this just kind of a minor little thing that you expect to be gone by the regular season?
1: I mean, it's somewhere in the middle. Like, you never want to hear back because that's kind of a weird one that might linger for a while. Yeah, uh, I think he, he almost certainly would be playing right now if this was games that mattered. So, like, there's. There's only so, so much worry. It's just one of those things that you hope goes away because you don't want Dansby playing at even 95%. Like you want him to be fully healthy because he's your franchise player mm-hmm. at this point. I mean, aside from Freddie, of course, Dansby's your your guy for the future, so hopefully he'll be uh, ready to go. And I fully support the Braves taking it easy on this. If he's not 100%, he shouldn't be touching the field in spring training. There's just no reason you know what he's going to be already. You, you know he's your shortstop uh, for this year, opening day. He'll be there, and uh, hopefully he'll be back on the field this week pulling because – I'll be confident that the Braves have every reason to put him back out there if they do.
0: yep. Uh, Next injury is Adonis Garcia. He left Saturday's game due to soreness in his left hamstring. Uh, This seems like an even more minor injury than Swanson's. Uh, Brian Snitker said that if it were the regular season, he would still be playing. Uh, So like you mentioned with Dansby, that is actually the case with Adonis. Uh, Another case of just playing it safe. Uh, Not really worried about this one. Hammies are also uh, a little bit worrying just because if you actually do tear them or strain them, they can be one of those injuries that kind of take forever to get fully healthy again and can re-tear a little bit easier. But if it's as minor as they're saying, I'm not very concerned about this at all.
1: You? uh same i had the uh i guess the unfortunate task of uh, recapping that saturday game um it, first of all i went to extra innings which was hilarious uh because they kept playing for reasons passing understanding beyond the ninth and uh, it was also the game that basically nobody played in of relevance for the braves there was some pitchers that you know, there's some, bull, there some bullpen guys that appeared in garcia was like the biggest name in the lineup and of course he left after the first inning uh so that was a really brutal uh, thing that we'll talk about with mike poltonavich in a second because he actually pitched and again, that was sort of the headliner, but aside from that, it was Garcia leaving the game. But, you know, not a huge worry there. I just, you know, I'm not the biggest Garcia fan, but uh, he's the team starting starting third baseman right now. I mean, for all intents and purposes, I'd be surprised if anything other than that, I think he's going to lead the team in appearances at third base in terms of game started. So uh, hopefully he'll be back and ready to go soon, and it seems like it's not a big deal.
0: Yep, so a few uh, minor things to keep on the lookout for next week just to see if these guys are back to 100%. Uh, you mentioned Mike Fultonevich. He had a strong showing uh, Saturday versus the Cardinals in that 2-2 tie. How, how far did that game go? How long were you watching that? Bad they, only,
1: they only went to 10, which is nice. Uh, but actually, it was, it, was, it was this weird moment. I'm sure people saw it because it was actually on TV locally in Atlanta. Um, at the end of the ninth inning, like, there was some confusion as to whether they were going to keep playing. Uh, and it was a, a sort of a stare down between Bryce Snicker and the and the Cardinals dug out like, all right, we gonna keep going or not? And then for some reason they kept going, uh, and but only play one more inning. And uh, Snicker kind of got up at the end of the tenth and was like, nah, man, we're gonna we're out of here, <laughs> we're like calling. we're not doing this anymore. Uh, I think they were out of pitchers, perhaps, something like that for the Braves. So uh, yeah. it was kind of one of those weird moments that only happened in spring training. But uh, that was about the only thing that was entertaining, to be honest, about that game. Other than the fact that it was on TV, which was nice, because uh, not, not a ton of baseball happening in terms of the Braves on TV right now. But So that was nice to see, but the game was kind of brutal.
0: Yep, Fulton Evich, four innings pitched, three strikeouts. He only gave up one hit, but it was a home run, uh, one walk. Pretty solid showing for him. I would say uh, him continuing to allow homers is... Uh, Kind of to be, disappointing, but it's spring training, so I don't really care.
1: Yeah, to be fair, it was it was against Matt Adams, who's like a legitimate power lefty. Like yeah. it wasn't like he gave up a home run to a minor leaguer, which you know home runs are are always bad. But it wasn't like he gave up uh, a shot to someone you never heard of. Matt Adams like has real power and is a lefty, so mm-hmm. not a huge deal there. And I thought he was actually good. I watched I watched that entire start because because I, I had to to be to be honest. <laughs> and I thought he looked pretty good. So uh, I was good to see Fulty looking sharp. Uh, if only you know it's still early, but uh, a good performance from him.
0: And then today, the Braves topped the Yankees 10-2 to in a spring training blowout. Jaime Garcia threw three innings versus the Yankees. Didn't give up any hits. Uh, had two walks. So a pretty solid statistical outing from him. I wasn't able to watch this. I'm not sure if this one was televised either. Um, but the bigger news, at least from my perspective in this game, was uh, future ace pitcher Matt Whistler allowed two solo homers in three innings of relief. <laughs> and continues to be abysmal in spring training and is making me question my uh, evaluative efforts in baseball. As you guys yeah. may or may not know, I'm a big Whistler fan, or at least I was. I might be done with it.
1: He's bad, man. I, at the moment, he's he's bad, and this is a big year for Whistler. We talked about it a number of times, but um, he needs to be good, at least in AAA this year, to, or people are going to write him off, including them, probably the Braves. Um, and, not, and has not been a great start uh, to spring for Whistler. You know you don't want to overreact to that. He was probably already getting be in AAA anyway, because as we've talked about a number of times, there really isn't a rotation spot for him. Um, but still, you know he'll have a, a long leash this year when it comes to getting uh, starts in Gwinnett, just because it's Gwinnett. Uh, why not? But you know the guy who you were very excited about, and I was you know relatively excited about. It was a mirage. Uh, it looks like it a little bit right now. I mean the thing is, it's always been with Whistler is that he had to be perfect with his command because his stuffs not that great. And for some reason, he's uh, gone from kind of having that command to not having it. And if he doesn't have that command, like, there's just no way, man. Like, his stuff's not good enough. So we'll see how that happens. The home run ball has always bitten him. So not a huge uh, surprise there. But, you know, Garcia was good. That's the big takeaway. I mean, he didn't – he wasn't spectacular or anything like that. But Garcia is a guy who the Braves just need to stay healthy because when he's healthy, he's usually pretty good.
0: Yep. Uh, one other little note to touch on from this game is Ronald Acuna. Acuna uh, let's,
1: get it, let's get into it. Let's been, do it now. He's
0: been a uh, hot topic among Braves fans lately. He went two for five with a triple and a walk. Uh, I think the most telling thing about this was that after the game, Brian Snicker said that uh, for those who got their first glimpse of him uh, today, might have they might have thought he was Atlanta's everyday center fielder, which is high praise for a guy who's as far off from the majors as Acuna is um but it's nice to see him doing well in spring training even though we say every time that it doesn't really matter the statistics here it's such a small sample people are getting tuned up but uh acuna you want to go ahead and touch on him i know we got several questions about this player in particular if you want to tee up our mailbag question we can go ahead and dive into one of these
1: yeah, I mean, honestly, I almost don't, almost don't even want to pick one of them. <laughs> we got so many. It was kind of hilarious, and I think what Snickers said, as you mentioned a minute ago, was uh, uh, one of the re- one of the reasons why is that people are sort of overreacting. Uh, we talked about this a lot last week with Scott, so I don't want to get too deep into it, but it's worth noting again that. Uh, Ronald Acuna is not going to be on the team uh, opening day. He's just not. He just turned 19 years old. Mm-hmm. He won't be. He won't be 20 until until December. Uh, till December. So he'll be playing this entire year at 19. And uh, while well, I've heard the Andrew Jones comparisons from everyone, uh, look, Andrew played. Andrew hit a home run in the World Series at night. <laughs> I'm like, okay, I understand that, but uh, it would be a jarring surprise if Acuna uh, was even on the team at the end of the year. Like even if he was a, a September call up, that be that would be a huge surprise to me and really everyone. Um so the notion of him being on the team right away is it's not happening. I'm sorry folks. And by the way, you shouldn't want it to happen because um barring a trade he, he I don't know where he I don't, I don't know where you're gonna play him. Uh and you you don't want Acuna to be up as your fourth outfitter. That's that's that would be incredibly that'd be incredibly dumb on a number of levels. Uh you need you need him you need him to play baseball on a regular basis. So uh yeah, I I don't know. Not it, to it's mention really service time stuff. Yeah, it's a lot of fun to talk about and think about him being up sooner rather than later. But like people asking for ETA, I guess I'll ask you this. I mean, people were asking for a realistic ETA on him, and I, I keep saying September 2018. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe I'm being uh, the guy who's overly skeptical, but that seems about right to me. And that's with that's still aggressive, by the way. He'll yeah. still be 20. No, he'll still be I 20 th- years th- old. And that feel and that somehow feels like conservative right now.
0: Yeah, I think that's fair estimate. Uh, Pipeline has his ETA at 2019. They also had that it's ETA right. for Ozzy Albie's, uh, but the Braves were obviously super aggressive with him, and he kind of performed at higher levels as they progressed him. Uh, I think the Braves have definitely shown a history of advancing their hitters, especially their international hitters, pretty aggressively um, through the minors. So I wouldn't be surprised if they pushed him quickly. But like you said. He's going to be 18 this whole season. His highest level at this point is uh, low A ball in Rome. Uh, A little bit this year, he had 40 games in Rome. That's his highest experience. So I would imagine you go to high A for the most of this season and maybe uh, a late call up to double A or something like that if he performs well. But I wouldn't expect to see him until late 2018. Uh, Probably 2019 if I had to bet on it. But who really knows? And like you said, uh, the Braves have Ender Inciarte locked down in center field for a few more years. Uh, so there's really no rush so yeah
1: I no there really isn't I mean him anytime soon. if he absolutely just tears the cover off the ball everywhere this year and you know ends the year in Mississippi maybe then you're talking about next year maybe coming into spring training with a uh, even still a very big long shot but even but a, a lot more realistic talk about him making the roster like if he ended this year in Mississippi and looked good that's a more realistic jump to make you know there are guys who skip triple A altogether that's happened numerous times that uh, wouldn't be a, it wouldn't be a huge shock, but to go from Rome to the majors mm-hmm. <laughs> doesn't doesn't happen. I'm sorry uh, for everybody. So I, I love I love Acuna. I, we're all I, I think everybody's all in at this point. And it's it's been a lot of fun, and he's been great in spring. But let's just pump the brakes just just a little bit.
0: Do you think that the Ronald Acuna hype is more than the Ozzy Albie's hype was last year? Because I feel like yes. it kind of is, and I feel like there's less of a track record to base it on than Ozzy's. Yeah,
1: I think Does I think that there is. At all? It does. Uh, I mean, it worries me a little bit just because I think people and a lot of this, a lot of this was like tempered by prospect list as well. Like mm-hmm. I feel like the prospect list kind of came out. We were like, oh, that's really high for Ronald Acuna, and then he came in. He's been awesome in spring. So I, I understand it from that standpoint. and that fancy, you know, him hitting like four something in spring and get really excited. And I understand that and he's been. Uh, all the coaches are praising him. Like if you just read only only what you want to read on Acuna and only see what you want to see on the stats, you might think, okay, cool, let's do it. But yeah, no, it's the, the hype trade has been bigger, I think, for anybody in recent memory. Honestly, it's been a few years since, since the Braves had a guy like this that really sort of uh, sort of generate this kind of hype in spring that was this far away. I mean, you know, Dansby was you know obviously a name we heard last year, but Dansby was the number one overall pick who played, who played college baseball. Uh, it wasn't like he was coming out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas Acuna, like, I mean, a year ago, was he even in top 10 Braves prospect lists? I'd never uh, heard of him. Yeah. So it's one of the, I mean, I, again, he's only 19, so it's not a big surprise. Like, that's how, the, that's how this stuff happens. But Ozzy, we kind of knew about for a little while longer. Yeah. Uh, I do think Acuna's ceiling is higher, and that's something that I, I really don't think is up for debate at this point. You know, Al- Albies is a lot safer prospect at this point in time because he's d- he's done at a higher level, like you said. But Acuna is that guy who like maybe could be a legitimate superstar, which I I guess that I guess that is why and like kind of explains why people are so excited. Whereas Ozzy, even at Ozzy's peak, I think he's just going to be a good player, which is you know super valuable. Mm-hmm. But Acuna could be like awesome, awesome, which you know and, and at a primary position of center field, you know I get all I get all of it. It's just time to slow down a little bit.
0: Yep, agreed. Um, we can touch on some World Baseball Classic stuff as well before we get yes. to
1: our uh, lineup my favorite
0: stuff. thing we had. Uh, I feel like there's a little bit of sarcasm coming from Brad there. But, I don't uh, like <laughs> no, it. We should do it. We had some really good games this weekend. I really wish I was able to watch some of them, but unfortunately the MLB people will cut off my uh, MLB TV subscription when I stop working for them. Who who knew that happened? But um, <laughs> H- H- Julio Tehran and uh, Freddie Freeman faced off uh, when Columbia topped Canada 4-1 to on Saturday. Uh, Freeman actually got the better of Tehran in the first inning with an RBI single, but that's all the Canadians would manage against Columbia. Julio settled down after that, and I think he retired something like 13 straight batters, including Freeman. Um, So really kind of a win-win for Braves fans there. Both your players do a little bit of something. Um, Nice to see Tehran get out of that outing uninjured, as far as we know. And then a little bit more disappointing news for Ender NCRT in a game with Venezuela. Uh, The Venezuelan team had 17 hits, 5 walks, and 11 runs in a win, and Ender NCRT went 0 for 5 in the game. So (laughs) that's kind of interesting if you follow World Baseball Classics strictly for statistics. Also, a quick note from this game, uh, former Atlanta favorite Martin Prado came through with the game-winning hit, which I was thrilled to see because Martin Prado is probably one of my if i made like a top 5 uh, favorite Atlanta Braves list martin prado would definitely be on it like a personal list for me
1: yeah i, I, I was always prado a fan of prado here? yeah i was i was always a fan of him as well um former uh, talking shop editor jane hammond was a giant um martin prado fans so mm-hmm. anytime even even after he left the braves anytime something happened she would drop it in our slack channel mm-hmm. and talk about prado doing something so yeah no i mean prado's a a fan favorite for a reason. Uh, I don't care at all about Ender not doing things in that game because yep. it doesn't matter. But people are gonna freak out because that's what people do. Um there I just was a note it's
0: more funny just that he went over five in a game where his team combined for 17 hits. Like that was an offensive it is explosion funny. and it's hilarious.
1: Yeah, it is funny to see that. I mean mm-hmm. the WBC, like I don't I just don't I don't care personally. I, I will tell you you know firsthand the atmosphere at these games is awesome. There's been a few of these games that have just been incredible. I've seen like the very like the very end of some of these games yeah. uh, when when people are just going crazy on Twitter. I'll flick it on. The Dominican USA
0: it. game was awesome. Uh, yeah, I know the Dominican and the uh, Colombian game was really good uh, up until they had that stupid international extra innings rule that went on. Oh um, gosh, the, the, sec- on the second second base thing. Think. Yeah, it was first and second. They started runners on first and That's second, so- I believe. And then the Dominican team scored seven runs in one inning. So um, I just it, don't
1: care. T- it it I don't broke
0: know. the tie. <laughs> but that kind purpose, of stuff but, makes yeah. me want
1: to watch it less, to be honest. Yeah. And I already I didn't understand. That. I'm not what? the audience. I get that. But, like, I don't know, man. Baseball. I like baseball. Mm. Like, of all my friends, like, I'm in this world where I, I work in other other sports. I do a ton of basketball. And I'm, like, the weird guy who likes baseball. Yeah. Uh, like, a lot of people our age do not, do not like baseball. and I understand that. But, like, If I don't get into this, like, who's watching this? Mm -hmm. It's basically just incredible baseball diehard. At least in at least in the U.S., you know, internationally, this is a cool thing. Like, people care a lot about it, but locally, man, I I don't know who cares. I mean, part
0: of the problem is it's not being televised as obviously as college basketball and NBA. Like, if you don't have MLB TV or MLB Network, you really can't watch these games. But I think really the biggest draw is just the different cultural uh, kind of style of play that you get. Not even style of play, but just. The unwritten rules are not a thing in the World Baseball Classic, and it's awesome to see bat flips and actual motion on the field. If you look up any of this, it's pretty obvious. You probably already know what I'm talking about. But I would love to see more of that translate to the American game in Major League Baseball. Um, I think that would be great for the game, and I think that would kind of energize it a little bit be a little bit more youthful. But that's another topic for another day. Uh, unless you have any final thoughts on the World Baseball Classic, we can move on to our lineup preview.
1: Yeah, let's get to the lineup, which is uh, much more relevant to what we're doing here, even if some of these guys, it's kind of, we've already talked about it numerous times this offseason, but it's worth uh, sort of grouping it all together in our third installment of the preview series. Only, only one to go after this, Carlos. Next week will be the rotation, and we're ready to go, but uh, it's, lineup, it's lineup day, so let's do this.
0: Yeah, let's jump into it. I guess, uh, first of all, we can kind of go over the projected lineup. Um, most people assume that it's going to be something like Ender Enciarte, Dansby Swanson, Freddie Freeman, Matt Kemp, Nick Markakis, Brandon Phillips, uh, then Tyler Flowers and Adonis Garcia. I think that's roughly the lineup most people would expect. Do you think uh, that is true?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, for me, i like to see probably... Yeah, that's probably going to be it, to be honest. I mean, there'll be some changes, of course, because there's, there'll be some guys who don't play every day. I don't think Garcia's going to play every day. I don't think obviously flowers won't play every day but yeah that's the general makeup i mean i'd be pretty surprised at this point if they didn't go with that top four at least in order um that seems like to be the consensus they're gonna they're planning on using dan to be in that two hole which i'm okay with i mean i ideally we've talked about this a number of times uh, but it's been a while now i think freeman's probably should be your number two hitter if you go to that ideal out of construction stuff but uh as long as they're not hitting someone bad in the two hole which is which, which, which was a Freddy Gonzalez staple. Um, you know, I guess that's the advantage of having a really good hitter in, in Swanson as a as a middle infielder because that's apparently the middle infield spot mm. <laughs> to, hit, to hit number two. But uh, you have a really good one, so I guess that works out uh, in your favor in both in both counts. So yeah, I think that's probably going to be roughly what we see from the lineup.
0: So I was looking at some uh, steamer projections on FanGraphs just for the whole team, uh, and projecting uh, all the players out for 600 plate appearances, which. All these guys aren't going to get, there's going to be some some fluctuation there. That's, that's if every player was to play 142 games. Uh, the only people on the team with a WRC Plus above 100 is Freddie Freeman and Matt Kemp. And I know a lot of people are expecting big things of the offense this year. I feel like I am not as high on the offense going into the 2017 season as most people. Uh, do you think that is too low, or do you think that's about right? Would you expect anybody else other than those two guys to be above average. I mean, it's an older lineup. There are a lot of guys who have been declining. I know you've talked about Nick Marquez a lot before, but he's pretty much gotten worse every year since he's been with the Braves and every year over the last 3 seasons. Uh so I would expect that trend to continue. Same thing with Brandon Phillips, um and Tyler Flowers as well. I know we can touch on Matt Kemp separately just cuz he's such a polarizing dude, especially for me, but I mean, what do you think what are your overall uh I guess predictions, or or what do you think the lineup's going to be like this season?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I'm tendin. I mean, I'm pretty negative, as you as as you know, everybody knows. Uh, but no, I think
0: the Braves it, podcasters.
1: It's a pretty uh, no. It's a pretty safe bet to assume that the Braves will have more than two guys finish over a hundred. It's just trying to figure out who that guy is. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and there's at least a possibility that Kemp doesn't do that. I mean, I think. Uh, it's encouraging what Kemp did last year and with the bat, I think it's pretty safe to assume he'll be over a hundred, but it could, it might not happen. I a mean,
0: reference, it, just real quick to jump in, uh, last season, uh, there were four, Freddie Freeman had a 152. Tyler Flowers had a 110. Matt Kemp one Oh nine and Dansby Swanson one Oh seven. So,
1: yeah, I mean, if, if there's a third guy, if I had to pick a third guy, I would say Swanson. Mm-hmm. First of all, the bar's pretty low at shortstop. I mean, there's not a whole lot of, uh, sweet hitting shortstops around the league right now there are some at the, at the really high level but like once you hit a certain point the drop off's pretty pretty large there as a defense first position uh, to some degree after that so he'd be the most logical candidate to reach that you know that hundred uh, mythical plateau um but aside from that man like you know nciarte i kind of don't believe in i mean second half of last year he was really good down the stretch and mm that's you know he won't be that good i don't think i think he was like 304 and 500 something like that for like six weeks i doubt that's going to happen again um but ender could ender could outperform his projections i think pretty reasonably adonis is kind of what he is brandon phillips has fallen off quite a bit i, I do think steamer's low on brandon phillips i think it has like it has him with like a sub a sub 700 ops that seems a little bit low but yeah i mean it would not blow me away at all if the braves only had to i just think the most likely scenario would be three or four. It's just one of those things of trying to figure out who that guy is. And also, you know, by the way, this is something we we, we won't get into a whole lot today. There's a pretty decent shot this team makes a trade in season. Um, I think just because copy's so active in general, and because there's that there's that obvious spot at third base that could be upgraded, and also you know catcher could be upgraded pretty easily, mm-hmm. uh, or if there's an injury, et cetera, et cetera. So the two guys at the top you mentioned Freeman and Kemp uh, are your two best um, safest bets to be you know, above average series at their position, yep. but I think Swanson will be number three.
0: I don't even know if I would bet on Kemp having one above a hundred, to be honest. I think Freeman is your lock. He's obviously going to perform better than league average. And then other than that, I'm expecting Kemp to, to not be that great this year. To well, be here's the thing I,
1: about Kemp. It, he's, he's never, uh, he's literally never not done it. Like over a full season. His first Kemp half playing, of
0: last season was atrocious.
1: I know. I'm just saying, but look if you look at his, I mean, I understand why you're saying that you wouldn't bet on him to do it, yeah. but I think it's, it's definitely more likely than not that he reaches 100. considering he's I know but he's done, it <laughs> every, he's, done it, he's done it every year of his career, every year. And I, I, I understand your point about the first half last year, but then you know, in general, w- is, w- w- would the second half be more predictive than the first, if anything? I, I know it's not a huge difference, but uh, you know it's one of those things where I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think you're wrong necessarily. Mm. I just think 51 percent of the time, at least. He'll hit a hundred. That, that could be me. I could just be me being a contrarian, but I think uh, you're. I, no, I think I'm the we all know you're. Idea, low, yeah, yeah we, we, all, we all know you're lower <laughs> on Kemp than everybody else. But uh, even then, I think you probably acknowledge that it's more likely than not. I don't know.
0: I just. I mean, he's going to hit home runs, but it's just a matter of is he going to keep uh, getting on base enough to make that valuable? I guess a lot of my knock on Kemp is that I really think that his defense kind of takes away all of his offensive value. A lot of people. <laughs> Uh, just disagree with that or don't think defense is important or think he's the best power-hitting outfitter in the National League or whatever. Uh, I'm just <laughs> not nearly as high on Kemp as other people. I know people are hyped up about his, his conditioning and his fitness um, coming into spring training, and, and that's something people love to talk about. But he just, I don't know, man, he's, he's just kind of like a one-dimensional old power-hitter at this point, and I'm not going to bet on that guy continuing to do well. At some point, he's going to start to level off. Like a guy like Nick Markakis has, I know they're different uh, profiles offensively. They're not the same player at all. Uh, but I would think a guy like Markakis has a better chance to to keep being valuable offensively than than a guy like Matt Kemp. You think I'm completely wrong there? I know you're, you've been the you've been the downer on Nick Markakis. So let, let's sw- swing to him a little bit. What do you think about old Nick?
1: Yeah, I mean, the, one more thing on Kemp. I just yeah, think I don't know. It's one of those <laughs> situations where. I think your your argument about his defense killing his offense um, is a is definitely a, a valid one, and we're talking about offense only. We're talking about WRC plus, yeah. so I get that 100. percent I've killed his defense. I think it you know it might help a little bit that he's in shape. Um, it was actually a big a good discussion. I thought it was interesting between I think it was Ben Deronio and Bennett Hips, the people that are smart uh, from Braves Fam on Twitter. Uh, I think it was last week about just how much the left field defense matters because. If there's a position outside of first base where defense doesn't matter as much, it's left field. Yeah, um, and that's a good thing that Kemp is playing there because you know he'll be bad, but like play anywhere else. Well, yeah, exactly. And we, I think the Braves know that now, which is good. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you put him there, you know, comparing him, comparing him to other left fielders around the league, that's a spot where a lot of teams bury bad defenders. So like, I think his his defensive, uh, you know, disaster potential is kind of mitigated a little bit there. So I'm higher on Kemp than you. That's not a big surprise. I, I, as for Markakis. I don't know. Marquez is fine. I always kill. I always feel like I'm killing him, and I'm not trying to. Mm-hmm. I just think there's a, there's a pretty defined ceiling for a guy that doesn't have any power and is a bad defender. And you know, we've been over the bad defender thing a number of times. He's not a good defender. I, I don't care what anyone says. I don't care about Gold Gloves. His range is bad enough now. Where um, if you want to argue he's average, then you know I don't want to go you know to the to the to the death with you on that, mm-hmm. but. He's certainly not a good defender. We can we can all agree on that, I think. And offensively, you know, yeah, if you po- if you if you post a three seventy on on base percentage like like he did in twenty fifteen, that it's useful. But last year, you know, three forty six, which is fine, but a sub four hundred slugging, uh, there was a reason he was a he was a below average offensive player last year. Ninety eight WRC plus at the age of thirty two. Now he's thirty three. Uh, he was supposedly in much better shape last year. Um, which is nice, and look, he was fine. For, I mean, but again, this is the third. It was the third year in a row that he got worse from a WAR perspective. Marquez is fine; like he's not a bad player, but his defense is not going to get better as he gets older. And his power came back a little bit last year. You know, he, he had a four-year high in sluggy percentage, but that comes at the expense of on-base percentage. Doesn't really do a lot for me, so. He's not going to kill you, but you know his ceiling is what maybe 105 WRC plus. I mean that was what it was the previous two years. It was 106 and 106. So even if he's an average offensive player, he's going to be an, a below average defensive player. And what is that guy? That guy's he's he's a one maybe two at the absolute peak win player. And you know that's what you're going to get for 11 million dollars, I guess.
0: Yeah, I like Nick a little bit more than Kemp just in general, just because he walks more. He walked 10% last season. Uh, but then you look at his uh weighted on base average that's kinda gone down the past two seasons. Uh kinda stuck st- st- stayed excuse me steady from two thousand fourteen to two thousand fifteen, then a little bit of a dip last year. Um he's gonna he's getting older too. What is he? Like thirty three? Yeah. He'll be yep, 33, 30, 30, 33 all year. year. Yep. Uh the Braves have an old lineup right now. So I mean I'm kind of expecting all the there are let's see, one, two there are like five guys who I'm expecting just to get worse next year just because of age. So Tyler Flowers, he had kind of a an, an outlier year last season. Did better than I thought he was going to do. Brandon Phillips, uh, Matt Kemp, Nick Marcakis, and then – did I say Phillips?
1: Yeah. And I guess Adonis like, Garcia. Garcia, yeah. I mean, so here's the – here, here's then, an interesting question. Okay. Like that I wanted to ask you and this is a good time for I think like yeah. okay everybody seems to believe this This offense is going to be a lot better than last year mm. because of the fact that it was so good down the stretch of last year yeah, I, which I understand they were like a top you know seven or eight offense in the league for the last mm-hmm. two or three months which is pretty good um, at the same time uh, what you just said fits in perfectly in that some of these guys are going to get worse I, I think it's pretty safe to assume uh, you know. Freeman's not going to be better than last year, I can't imagine. There's, uh, a,
0: there's a really good chance that last season is the best year that Freddie Freeman's going to happen, or going to have. Is, I mean, that's by not, the way, which is fine. Yeah, he, it is fine, but, but him having that year doesn't mean it's just going to suddenly be the baseline for him, is what I think people need to kind of understand, is that I expect a little bit of regression, and I feel like that's kind of the logical thing to expect.
1: Yeah, I mean... This is going to sound crazy, and you and I disagree with this. While I'm thinking, but if, if Freeman was on a good team last year, he might have won. He might have won the MVP. No, I agree with you. That's how good. That's how good he was. So it's not a shot at Freddie to say he might, He probably will be worse this year. He'll still be really good. I think that's pretty safe to assume. But good. Yeah, but there's guys like guys like Freddie, guys like Flowers. Who you expect yeah. him to be worse. All those guys that you're talking about who are probably gonna be worse this year. Uh, there is something to be said for the fact that they don't have to play. Eric Ibar for three months mm. and they don't have to play some of the black, some of, some of the other black holes that sustained last year. So there's reasons to think that the offense will be better in some ways because of that. But like, what's closer do you think for this offense? Like the team that was the worst in the league last year for the first three or four months or mm. the team that was top 10 the last two or three months. And I, I think it's probably closer to the first half yeah, to be I honest.
0: Too, because another big part of this is what do you expect Dansby Swanson to do? And I know he hit 302, got on base at uh, 361 uh, last season, and everyone was really hyped up about that. But that was 38 games uh, in his first look at the majors. Pitchers are going to find out where to throw him. He strikes out pretty much the same rate that Freddie Freeman does, with like half the isolated power. Uh, and his uh, his BABIP was 383, which is not sustainable for a right-handed batter with his speed. I mean, he's a quick guy, but he's not going to have a 383 career batting average on balls in play. So I'm definitely expecting a, a pretty stiff drop off from him, and I feel like a lot of people are kind of just expecting him to to keep being a 300 hitter, and I I would be very surprised if that was the case. I think he'll be solid, but I don't know if you can expect uh, what he did last year. And I mean, I'm I'm just kind of expecting him to take a step back. Over, I mean, the look year. at.
1: Look at the projections. I mean, there's, yep. I mean, these projection systems are, 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 are notoriously low on most people. I can't wait but at the for the us same to get
0: posted for using projections, by the way.
1: Well, it's fine. But I mean, <laughs> Steamer, you referenced, you remember Steamer before? Steamer yeah, puts Dansby at a 259 batting average, 322 on base, 395 slugging for an 89 WRC. Zips, which I also like, I'm a good friend of fucking shop Dan who reads who reads our comments and is around, uh, and I like Dan a lot from ESPN. Oh, I um, didn't know you
0: read our comments. Oh, yeah. He's always
1: nice. Dan's a big uh, – I doubt he listens to this his podcast, but he, he, he definitely reads the site.
0: What's up, Dan? We know you're listening.
1: Yeah, uh, and his projections uh, have Dan's be at 253, 323, 403 for 92 WRC+. Mm-hmm. And both of those things, they basically, they basically have him as like a two-win player, which by the way would be awesome yep. given the fact that he makes no money and you know is going to be, what, 23 um, that's I'd be a really good season for Swanson, but like people think he's going to be an all-star this year, and I, I don't think that's going to happen. Like, real quick, he notice, could be.
0: Yeah, real quick. Notice the uh, the the computer projections compared to the fan projections, which have him as a three-point-three war player yeah. with a one hundred two WRC plus. So that kind of that's backs what up, happens. Backs up what we think right here. Well, uh, and to
1: be fair with Swanson, like he's he's a very famous prospect. He was number one overall pick. So like. I'm not getting mad at people that have high expectations because he was really good last year yeah, and he's super famous. I still
0: think he's going to be the favorite to win the NL Rookie of the Year. I wouldn't be surprised at all.
1: Oh, he, he absolutely would be because he, he, you know, he felt just shy mm-hmm. of the qualifying last year. Like he's, We've seen the most of him of any rookie in the National League. So like he should be. If, there's, if there was a betting line on that, Swanson should be the favorite because he has the job. He has the pedigree. We saw what he was last year. He was immediately good. Like, yeah, he might be the Rookie of the Year. That's fine. By the way, you can be the Rookie of the Year in a normal year like being a two and a half win player wins you the rookie of the year. Mm-hmm. Like last year, you like Corey Seager going insane and some other stuff that happened. Yeah, that was not, not a, a rookie, rookie, year rookie race. Of year. Yep. Yeah, yeah, you know Swanson over a full season doing what he did last year would almost certainly win rookie of the year. So it's fine. But the whole, I mean, the back to the original point. Like, how many guys in this lineup do you are you comfortable saying are above average? Even play, I mean, beyond just offense, are above average players in their position? How many guys? Freddie. Freddie Freddy's the only one Freddie is the only that, safe bet. Everyone
0: else could be it would not surprise me if they were just kind of average at their position. Well the, the other guy today.
1: Yeah, the other guy's yeah. in mean, if you're factoring if you're factoring in defense, yeah, which I think like like we should. Yeah. Yeah, then he then he is above average. But because the defense is so good, you know, the war numbers, I mean there's a reason why he was what a free four-win player last mm-hmm. year, according to Van Grafts. Like he's really good defensively at a premium position. Yeah. So that matters a lot. But aside from that, like Again, there'll probably be there'll probably be one or two that perform like they're above average players, but actually projecting them as that and between Kemp and Marcakis and Swanson, I guess Phillips has a chance to do it if he suddenly you know catches the rejuvenation machine coming home to Atlanta. Maybe Flowers repeats himself, but like that's a lot of question marks, man. You know, I, I think we know that Garcia is not going to be above average. Um, I think last year was probably the best you could possibly hope for from Adonis, mm-hmm. and given his defense, like he's not going to be an above, above average starting third baseman. So. There's some real questions here. I'm not trying to be super negative because there's there's some upside with guys like Swanson. There's some upside with with Enciarte even with the way he hit last year, but I don't know the overall overall projection. I, I think this offense uh, in and of itself is a below average one.
0: Yeah, I think we can touch on unless you're unless you're done with the lineup real quick on Ender Inciarte. Uh He had a pretty terrible first half offensively, and then second half obviously lit it up. Had a 125 WRC plus. Where do you what do you expect of him? This season, do you expect somewhere kind of in the middle? Yeah, improve? I mean, he's been like right under 100 WRC plus uh, for his career, and I don't know why you wouldn't expect, or I, I guess that's what I would project of him going forward. But I think people need to remember again, trying to throw cold water on all your your really exciting expectations for these players. Uh, he had a 387 batting average on balls in play in the second half, and he has a high uh, BIP in general. His is like 324 or something for his career. Uh, so you can expect that to be a little bit higher, but 384, again, like with Swanson, that's not sustainable. So expecting him to just kind of hit like that over the course of the entire season, uh, I think is a little bit too optimistic as well.
1: Yeah, I think honestly, you know, if you look, if you look at his career numbers over 1,500 at bats or sorry, plate appearances, 1,600 player appearances, 292 average, 337 on base, 385 slugging, you know, OPS in the 720 range, 95 WRC plus. That's kind of what I expect, yep. to be honest. And that's by the way, with his defense, that's an excellent player. It is. That's kind of that's all you need him to be. He's on a cheap contract. That's about a three, three and a half win player over over a full season. That's awesome. That's all he needs to be. Um, I just don't believe the second half offense. But he was also bad early. So like, if you average those two together, mm-hmm. you get what he was last year, which was a 97 WR, WRC plus. Which
0: is pretty I, much what you just said. Yep.
1: Yeah, that's that's him. I think that's basically him. And you know, there's there's a reason to believe that he could be a little bit better, judging by last year. You know, the last thing you saw. I understand why you. I think that's probably the new thing. But until he does it over a full season, I'd be a little bit skeptical. And again, like, he doesn't need to be better. Like Encarnacion is a guy I'm not worried about because he's going to hit. He's he's hit for a high average everywhere he's ever been, essentially, and he plays defense. And you know the, he doesn't take a lot of walks. Uh, you know the power is not huge, but as long as he you know has holds that high bat that you mentioned, and I think he will because he can run and he, and he plays defense in center field. Like I'm not worried about Ender at all. The, I the think po- the,
0: the biggest thing to watch with Ender is just his platoon splits. Yep. Uh, over his career, he's been much better versus uh, righties than lefties, which is what you would expect. Last season, he was actually better versus lefties, which is kind of surprising when I'm looking at it right now. Uh, that might have a little bit to do with the luck he had during the second half. Uh, we can kind of dive into that at some other point. That would probably be better to like break down in writing. But uh, <laughs> it will be yes. interesting if, uh, if Ender can kind of – get those splits back to back to even or not back to, but if he can even those up a little bit, that would be extremely impressive and really but, good for the team. But back to what you Yeah.
1: Said. No, I was, I was just, we, I think we kind of hit that all we needed to do on end of the day. The other guy I wanted to hit on mm-hmm. while, while we're here is, is Phillips because he's famous. The Braves just traded for him. We talked about it when the trade happened, but it's worth hitting again now because I think uh, the difference between casual fans and people like us who follow stuff closely on Phillips and expectations uh, seems to be incredibly wide. There's this notion that um, Phillips was an all-star and there's, you know, people remember him as such. Mm -hmm. I have friends who are Braves fans, but don't, you know, do what we do. Don't dive into the numbers who were, who were texting me when the trade happened. Like, Oh man, we got Brandon Phillips. And I'm like, yeah, we did. Yep. He's
0: a, Uh, he's a guy.
1: He's he'll be 36 in June. uh, And he doesn't play defense anymore, but I I don't know. I, I wanted to ask you what your expectations are for, for Phillips, because obviously last year was the worst year of his career basically as a full-time player and that's not a big surprise you know he was 35 most mm-hmm. of last year year, he will be turning 36 but like what are you expecting from phillips because i think it's important people kind of not believe that he's going to be the guy he was in cincinnati for the majority of his career There,
0: i'm expecting for brandon phillips to turn uh, a bunch of really cool looking double plays and to have people overrate uh, how good he actually is because of those really cool looking double plays um since 2011 if you go by war he's gotten worse every single season with the exception of 2015 which i believe is just a blip on the radar all those other years he's gotten worse uh like you mentioned 2016 was his worst year he was just right at uh one win above replacement uh, i'm not expecting him to suddenly improve i don't think that's really how it works normally nothing that i've seen expects that or lets me expect that um going forward Uh, The past four years, he's been a below-average hitter for his position as well. Uh, But it is close to league average, uh, at least offensively. Um, I know the last four years, it's been like 90 to 100 pretty much, right in that range. So he's not terrible. I mean, this kind of backs up what we talked about before when the trade happened. I mean, he's a solid guy who's going to hit for a high, empty average in the lineup, I think, uh, his speed's have declined over the past few years. I think that's what you'll you'll probably see next. That'll be the most obvious. Is those stolen base numbers are kind of kind of go away. Um, but I mean, if you like batting average, you're really gonna like Brandon Phillips. And if you're more into the sabermetric stuff, you'll kind of be more meh on him. I think, uh, as both of us are. But w- what are your thoughts?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's basically what I think as well. You know, the defense is the big question for a long time. He was a really, really, really good defensive second baseman, and every number would point to that. Um, even his favorite, even his favorite metric once he was really, really good. Last year was the first year that he was a negative defender according to Fangraphs in his entire career. Uh, I, I tend I tend to believe that, if only because of the age. Uh, guys don't usually just suddenly become good again at thirty six defensively. Um, again, you know, he's better than. Me. Yeah, I mean, he'll be 36 in June. It's, it's not like he's playing 36 the whole season, but, you know, half the year he'll be 36. And, you know, last year, second base has been a problem for a long time for the Braves. So I understand the optimism because Brandon Phillips is a guy who people know. He's a local product. He played at Reed Ann High School. He was a big star there. He was a big star in Cincinnati. Like, I, I understand all of that. But uh, I, think, I think I said this on a previous podcast, but he was drafted by the Montreal Expos. <laughs> That's how old Brandon Phillips is. Um, so I don't know. I think he'll be okay. I think he's going to hit somewhere in the 275-280 range with very little, with very little play to play discipline, um, not a ton of power, maybe you know, 10, 12, 13 homers, something like that, an average defense at second. And that's not an awful player. That's probably a 1-1 player, which is fine because they're paying him basically nothing. They didn't give up really anything to get him, uh, and that's why I was okay with the trade. I just think people uh, need to be, uh, you know, as far as expectations are, are concerned with Phillips, he's not going to be an all-star. He probably, he'll probably be, at least you know what he is. That's my thing. He's better than what you've had previously because you know what you're going to get from Brandon Phillips. I think, unless he falls off the cliff, because that's the co- the big question is if he pulls an Eric Ibar and it's just kind of something. <laughs> if they, if the know.
0: Braves have that two years in a row from middle, uh, like a veteran middle infield type, that would be incredible. I mean, it, it could it, it could happen. It can't be that bad though. No,
1: I mean, no to, okay, to, be, to be fair, Eric Ibar was, that
0: was the worst the story. <laughs>
1: Yeah, so okay, that's that's a little bit too strong. But yeah. last year, I mean, the Braves yeah, had it.
0: But I agree with you. It could I mean falling off the table could happen? But I feel like with Phillips, it's kind of a more obvious trend downwards over his career. Which I mean, well, he's and he's
1: also a, he's also a lot older yeah. than Ibar was. Um, he's also a better player in his prime than Ibar was. So you know, I, I think Braves fans, including me, are are you know, sort of scorned by Ibar and Przinsky last year just falling off the table completely. Um, I just think it's there's a non-zero chance that happens with Phillips because of the age. Uh, you just kind of never know what's, when that's going to happen. But, you know, he seems pretty safe to me. And the good thing is, again, for the Braves is that they had Jace Peterson. If Phillips is just awful and, in May, they can look up and say, all right, Brandon, we traded we traded nothing for you. Uh, here's your release. Mm-hmm. We're, we're going to play Jace or even Ozzy. if Ozzie Albies is suddenly ready. That's the other thing that's we should probably at least hit on briefly here is if o- Ozzie is suddenly ready to go and killing it in Gwinnett and Phillips is struggling, I think you're going to see Ozzy in June. It may not happen. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that, that's that's like four ifs. But if all those things happen, uh, there's no reason for the Braves to hold on to Phillips if they're trying to compete this year. Um, if Phillips is struggling and Ozzy's killing it, there's just not.
0: That is true. Uh, I don't think the Braves will be competing, but you never know. It could. I, I
1: agree with you, but I'm saying <laughs> I have to but, say it every uh,
0: podcast. I just have to get it in.
1: Well, and and with the fact that you have two wild card spots, if you're if, you, if you're playing 500 ball into June, you're competing. Yep. True. I mean. And, that's the whole thing with that. Well, there's been a lot of uh, sort of changes in the way the trade deadline operates. at The end of July, it's because there's a lot more teams who are theoretically in it because that second wild card spot. If you're if you're 500 even in the middle of July, it's easy to talk yourself into a run because what are you four games out? It's not like you're um, you know falling out of the line. I don't think necessarily the Braves are going to be 500, but there they would not be a shock at all if the Braves were 40 and 40 after 80 games, would it? No, no I don't think so. No. So we'll keep an eye on that, but it's just something to think about. Um, And again, that's like ifs and ifs and buts and all those things, but if Phillips is not good, there's a guy or two – even Jace. I mean there's a possibility that Jace Peterson would be better over a full year than Brandon Phillips. That's something that has to be said out loud. That could happen as well. Mm -hmm. So we'll keep an eye on it, but uh, we're talking about Phillips just to kind of bring it up.
0: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if we are just completely off base and, and the Braves' offense is much better than we think. So I think after this conversation, both of us expect the Braves to be a below average uh, major league offense um, or, I guess, position player group since we touched on defense as well not strictly offense. But uh, is that about right? Just slightly below average, I'd say? Maybe yeah, I mean, crazy- bottom, bottom third maybe.
1: Yeah, crazier things have happened. I mean, we saw what happened last year. With uh, basically this same crew that's back, I mean, aside from Phillips, this is basically the entire lineup from the last month of the year, last year, and they were killing it. So anything can happen over a one-season sample, uh, so the Braves could be good offensively if everything goes correctly. If Freeman's great again, if Ender's really good, if, if Dansby is the rookie of the year, there's a way for this team to be you know, the 12th best offense in baseball. That's definitely conceivable to me. I just think, projection-wise, I think they're closer you know, 18 to 20, and they are to actually being like 10 to 12.
0: All right, that wraps up our lineup preview. I know we had a few other questions in the mailbag we wanted to jump into. Brad, do you want to pick out some of those to uh, to touch on real quick? I know there was a couple interesting ones.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's one from uh, from Pier 625 on Twitter uh, who asks, "How realistic is it is it that the Braves would trade for a right-handed bat before the season starts? And if not, um, is Sopo the answer?" Wow, uh, that's that must well, that's be that's that's that's, the
0: best name pronunciation we've ever done on the show. So, congrats to you right there. That was great. I was looking forward to you reading that name, and then you just crushed it. So, I'm sad. Well, it's
1: it's only because his uh, his brother, I think, played football at Washington and was really good, and I knew him. Um, but yeah, Sopo is. Uh, 30 years old <laughs> right-handed bat um i get it and the fact that the Braves bench is bad and we talked about that on the previous podcast but um do you think he's an actual thing like he's in camp had a two had a home had uh, had two home runs uh was that over the uh, you have, like, uh, was three straight or something like that yeah something something crazy like that he yeah. was uh killing the ball over the weekend um but no. I don't know. It seems pretty far-fetched to me, but I always yeah. wanted to bring it up because the bench, because listen, the bench is bad. We talked about it on the previous podcast. It's yeah. not a good bench. But I, don't,
0: I don't think old Matt here is going to help it be good. I mean, he's got 404 major league plate appearances and he's put up a 641 OPS with that, which is a 76 OPS plus. Um, and he has 12 home runs while striking out 128 times um, and 404 at bats. That's pretty much, that's like 25% of the time my math not true. it's more than twenty five percent time it's a it's not a good strikeout rate. Um so no, I I don't expect him to do really anything. The spring training little burst right here was kind of fun, but no, I'm not expecting much. And as far as how realistic is trading for a right handed bat, um extremely realistic. I mean we've seen what copy has done and continues to do, so a trade wouldn't surprise me in the slightest. Uh, the quality of that bat is more of the question that you're probably going after. I, I would be surprised if they went for a high profile bat. Or, I mean, at this point, the Braves filling a need on their bench is not going to be a high-profile guy anyways. Uh, I don't think that's what you want to spend your resources and your prospects on to, to fill a bench bat. So I wouldn't get your hopes up about either of these two things, to be honest.
1: Yeah, I mean, they really need one. They need, they need, they need a bat. I, I talked with uh, Ben Duroni on Twitter this week about Pedro Alvarez because he's on the market still and was good last year as a hitter. He can't play the field really outside of first base. Which the Braves don't need, obviously.
0: We need, we need the DH to be extended to the National League. That'd make
1: things easier. well, and that's part of the reason why he's still unemployed is because you know half of the teams in the league can't sign him because he that would be an exclusively a bench bat. Mm-hmm. Like he, he he can only play first base. He's bad there, even. But like if the Braves, I mean, I think they would at least would or should offer him the minimum. Say, hey, Pedro, and this is just one guy, of course, but he's a left He'd be easily your best bench bat. And right now, that's. I mean, there, there are other issues issues on the roster, but the bench is uh, kind of what it is right now. Your best bench player is Jace Peterson, who's not a bench bat. He's more of a utility defensive-minded guy. Mm-hmm. Like, who's your best pinch hitter right now? <laughs> that's oh the gosh. big question. They don't really have one. They don't or have Suzuki. a pinch hitter. And, that, and that's bad. <laughs> and, and by the way, Snickers not going to use Suzuki as a pinch hitter most of the time because they don't – yeah, I, I think he's from the Bobby Cox school of keep your catcher on the bench. Yeah,
0: I mean, you can make a legitimate argument that Jace is your best bat off the bench. I think he so is. I think I, he is I, too. I think,
1: so it's either that, I mean, unless they keep one of these guys as an you know, there's some outfield stuff and we talked about that in the previous podcast, but, you know, Bonifacio is an option. Nope. He's not a good hitter. Peterson, not a good hitter. I got, it might be Rio Ruiz, to be honest.
0: Yeah. Hopefully <laughs> Which Rio is, is funny that, That'd be fun.
1: So yeah, well, that's something to keep an eye on. I wouldn't be blown away if Copy did that, but, uh, you know, given what we think about the team, and I think, you know, probably Copy's more uh, optimistic than we are about the team this year, but I can't imagine they're looking at this roster and thinking World Series this year realistically deep down somewhere. So giving up real resources to go sign a bench, to go get a bench bow right now would be uh, interesting to say the least. We'll keep an eye on it though, but the bench is bad right now. So I understand the question to be sure, but I don't, I don't think it's about two houses open necessarily. Yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, last question. Uh, then we'll get out of here coming up to the hour. Mark, uh, Jake Scott uh, says, let's pretend all prospects live up to their potential. Who is your dream five man rotation for 2020? Uh, I really like this question, and I feel like um, I'm, I'm going to assume you mean reach their ceiling. I feel like semantically you could kind of make a few differences uh, with those two words, but I feel like living up to their potential, meeting their ceiling. Um, I've already kind of thought about who I would take, so I can go, Brad, unless you want to just jump in right now.
1: Um, um, I'll jump in with one comment, and I'll let you cook right, on this one. Uh, and, uh, uh, there is no scenario in which everybody lives up to their potential. <laughs> So I want to say that out loud right now uh, as the you resident just, negative guy. You just keep guy.
0: throwing all this podcast has been extremely negative so far and you just keep it has, doing it man. Which is
1: fine and you we're going li- to keep doing it to him. No, we're, we're going to cook on this question. <laughs> I'm going to answer it just like you are in the in this perfect world, but um I think people really think this is going to happen and it's 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 not. It's, maybe, it's maybe amazing what, maybe to what it's, think
0: though, if if all these guys in the Brave system like reach their ceiling, you'd pretty much have like the '90s rotation that they actually had at one point. Isn't that crazy to think about how oh, good if, that if group they reached was? their
1: absolute ceiling, yes. then it still wouldn't be that good. Because I think
0: it could be. I mean, dude, this that is that ceiling. Rotate, too. Hold okay, here hold, we go. hold go. Here we hold go.
1: go. That ro- that ro- that rotation has three of the best fifty pitchers of all time in it.
0: There are three guys who their ceiling is an, is an ace pitcher in this rotation, okay, in my opinion. Okay.
1: There's an ace pitcher and then there's No, no, there's a to the top five it, pitcher of all time. I, I understand. No, what no, you're no saying. I'm
0: not I'm not saying the, the one they actually had. I'm saying of the current Braves pitching prospects, there are multiple players I know who their ceiling is an ace. Like so if we're assuming they be, they live up to their ceiling, can do do you not like expect them to be an ace? That's like three okay, aces if, one the,
1: if they're if yeah, yeah. if they had a, if they had this five the fun eight. of it. If everybody, you, if everybody you name hits their absolute apex, that's the question. <laughs> okay, I understand. Okay, which means you have five aces. Yeah, I get that. So well, that's. Well, I don't
0: know if you have five. I don't know if Ian you. Do. Is, you do. You okay.
1: do. You have five, <laughs> If everybody on this list that I'm looking at that you put together yeah. hits their ceiling, <laughs> you have five aces. Okay, I get that. Which is fine. There was a point in time where, oh, Kevin, well, Millwood, where Kevin Millwood was the, was the fifth starter for the Braves. Yeah. And he was winning like nineteen games yeah. with like a low. Did, sure. did he win a Cy Young? I think he did.
0: You have to look that up real quick while I go. Over I know. But, I know
1: uh, it's not pitcher wins. I'm just. I'm just saying.
0: Like the one thing that throws a wrench into that theory is even if they like reach their ceiling, you can still get injured and never play again. So, so accurate. that is the one thing that kind of holds my, uh, my, my exciting. It's a semantic uh, argument
1: that yeah. you and I are having for fun right now. But <laughs> right. Uh, I'll, 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 I'll get, give you the. It's routine. your list. Here's yes, mine. do it.
0: Uh, and this is the order that I'd probably put him in. Actually I'm gonna I'm gonna flip one near the end. But I've got Tukey as the ace. I think pure stuff, <laughs> he's definitely got the best stuff. He would be the best pitcher. If he could figure out how to control his pitches, he would easily be the best pitcher of this group. I love Tukey. I don't know if he's ever going to control his pitches, but is my number one guy. Uh Max Fried, next. Then Colby Allard and either Sean Newcomb or Mike Fultanevich. As the four I guess you could pick of these final three who's gonna round out the final two spots, Sean Newcomb, Mike Fulton-Evich, and Ian Anderson. Um I'm I'm starting to kind of lean Ian Anderson and Fulty over Sean Newcomb, but I mean Newcomb has great stuff too. He just I guess you want to see him develop a third pitch. But this is all just like hypothetical. So would you switch any of those players?
1: What would yeah. your rotation be? Okay, I thought about this in my head and I wasn't thinking like Super duper apex. I was thinking. Come on, man, you got to you got to go with the question, Brad. And no, and, and it's fine. You you did that, which is fine. My fiber man rotation would be more realistic if than you yours. Put Soroka
0: in here, I'm gonna get mad.
1: Well, no, I wouldn't get mad. But first of all, how dare you?
0: My <laughs> <laughs> Soroka has is St.:
1: Mike Soroka is safe. Floor. We'll have another uh,
0: another question for the floors
1: okay you're you, okay I think I just answered this wrong to be honest because I, I had Julio on my rotation that
0: a hypothetical Brad come on I
1: had Julio, I have Julio on my rotation no. Julio's great Julio's already good he's great right now. but he's not elite Julio was elite at one point prospect wise uh-huh. anyway okay <laughs> if, if we do if we do it your way then your guys are the guys who have to be on the list honestly yeah. and I think Anderson wouldn't be if you go again pure apex. Mm-hmm. I think it's Toussaint, Freed, Allard, Newcomb, and Fulte. Okay. That's my five. Yeah. Um, if you just do that. And then you have the, the next tier of Anderson, Soroka, um
0: I mean Lucas Sims has better stuff, so
1: if that's oh, what you're talking uh, about. Lucas, no, I can't I can't do yeah, this. I can't, no. I can't do, I can't do no. Lucas Sims.
0: <laughs> Live up to ceiling. I guess if we're talking uh-huh. about ceiling from two thousand fifteen, Lucas Sims has a higher ceiling than Mike's. This is
1: such a this is such a great question. It's also such a bad question it's because so there's fun. just no reason to think about this, yeah. but uh, shout I'm out to Jake got, Scott.
0: I'm glad we got to end on this, on what was a, a supremely uh, negative podcast uh, compared to, I guess, the casual Braves fan. But well,
1: here's—I will have one bone to pick with you, and then we'll get yeah. out of here. Uh, my number one starter would be Col- would be Colby Allard. Really? Uh, not Tuki. Not tukie. Yes. Uh...
0: You were late on Tukey, and I know you love Tukey. He's... I
1: love Tukey. I'm a sucker for lefties. That's my thing. He's got a uh,
0: double-plus Col- fastball and curveball in his arsenal.
1: Double, here we go with double-plus. Yes. double-plus. Uh, Colby, Colby, Colby Allard uh, is filthy, and he's left-handed more than more. More importantly, in my opinion. So, so he's
0: going to be your little Clayton Kershaw in this scenario. Yeah, I'm, right. I'm here
1: for Colby Allard. but uh, I guess is li- my Pedro. It's fine, man. This is fun. <laughs> and the fact that the Braves actually have enough guys where like they actually have seven guys who could be aces – um, again, that's not going to happen, but yeah. full Apex style, uh, there's, that could happen. And honestly, I just want, give me two, just give me two of these <laughs> just give guys. Me Two aces. That's all we give want. Give me two of these guys, not even aces. Give me, give me two of these guys to like hit. Yep. Not even like smash through the wall, but just hit. Yep.
0: That would be awesome. Great. All right. Uh, well, we're, we're at the, uh, hour mark at this point, so I think we can wrap it up. Uh, is there anything you want to, uh, I guess, talk about before we, before we get off and, and go to bed?
1: Nah, man. TalkingChop.com. I mean, just visit. I mean, please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. But also, if you want to go uh, check out sort of the reader's guide to the podcast, every uh, every single podcast has a, has a separate post on TC that either Carlos or I put up uh, with a little uh, sort of, a uh, I don't even know, a, a navigational tool to get down. through the podcast. Rundown, that's a good word for it. Um, so check it out there as well. Uh, do both. Subscribe and download and then do it again on the podcast. Support us. Um, help us get the clicks and the downloads and all those things, and uh, our writing too. Like I'm not writing a ton right now because it's still basketball season and I'm I have other commitments. But uh, I did the recap again of this weekend. That we're we're doing every every spring training recap imaginable. There's some preview stuff happening. Of course, we're gonna kick it up in a big way that last week that last week of spring before this before opening day and all that stuff. Uh, it's all coming, man. We're getting closer and closer. I know March Madness is gonna take over my life for a while, but baseball's uh, here. Uh, I, I guess Freddie's almost back to camp now, too. I think Canada lost today, which means Freddie's coming back soon, which is uh, nice. True. Yep. Uh, yeah, it's going to be fun, man. We're almost there.
0: Yep. Follow Brad on Twitter at BT Roland. You can follow me at Carlos A. Uh, follow the site on Talking Chop. Uh, and guess,
1: Facebook, by the way. Follow, yeah. fa- follow Facebook at Talking Chop as well.
0: Do Facebook. Uh, I've got some exciting personal stuff coming up this week, which if you're listening on Monday after the post, you might already know about, but excited about that. Um, but, yeah thanks for listening to the podcast guys we appreciate it and we'll be back at the same time uh, next week thanks